Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And it's really, you know, your business and very important business to have a clear head when it comes to all things healthcare and taking care of yourself healthcare-wise. And sometimes you have to have surgery and sometimes you have to do procedures. And and, uh, it's really difficult to make decisions uh, when it comes to that. David Wilcox, he is one of our uh, co- uh, contributors here on the Price of Business show. Love having him on the program. Um, he is um, uh, – uh, I, I always struggle with your exact title. Uh, you know, I, I say you're a nurse practitioner, but you're kind of – you're not kind of. You are beyond that. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do professionally and real quickly a little bit about your personal story that kind of drove you to become an authority when it comes to all things uh, economics of health. Sure, Kevin. And like anything else in healthcare, my title is confusing, right? So um, I'm a doctor of nursing <laughs> practice <laughs> or a DNP. And the difference between myself and the very valuable nurse practitioners is that they prescribe treatment, but I am more on the executive level. So uh, people like me who have this terminal degree, and I say terminal degree because it almost killed me, um, (laughs) of a DMP degree, (laughs) are people who have been, who are administering hospital networks. Or in my business, I'm, I'm a patient advocate. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story um, because, you know, I think that everybody wants to follow their passion, right? And, you know, a job keeps you from your dreams sometimes, and it's nice when you can incorporate both. And um, my backstory is I had a handicapped daughter that I took care of for years while I was in manufacturing, and I would take her to different various doctor's appointments, and I had a mad respect for the way the clinicians treated her and me. I did not have a mad respect for the way the system was set up, um, which is why I got into healthcare advocacy and went back in my adult life and got all my advanced degrees so that I could start to be the voice of the patient and open people's eyes to what's going on in healthcare. So often when people go in, like we're going to talk about surgery today, when people access the healthcare system, they have no idea what to expect. And with the staffing shortages we're seeing now, um, it's it's a wild ride out there. And if you're informed, you can be a better partner in your care when you access the healthcare system. There you go. Uh, absolutely. And, and there's this, I hate to say it, but the healthcare system operates on the belief that the vast majority of people that are engaging with them are ignorant and they intend to take advantage of that ignorance. I hate to say it, but, that, but that's how it comes across. There's too much evidence that points to that. They even get taken to the woodshed uh, by agencies, and they are very entrepreneurial about working around the consequences of that. It's been very difficult to watch, although you've given some very uh, promising and hopeful stories about that changing as well. Let's talk about elective surgery. And, of course, we heard that a lot of people may not have even heard of that expression much before COVID, right? Elective surgeries are on hold, uh, you know, indefinitely because of uh, COVID. So uh, elective surgeries are surgeries that can be very important but not necessarily urgent this week. That's right, exactly. So, you know, having surgery is scary. You're going to be out of your comfort zone. You're going to be trusting in a medical team while you're incapacitated, and it could be disruptive to your lifestyle as you'll need time to heal after the surgery. So 
having surgery is a huge investment of your time and financial resources. So it's very important that you do your research on your surgeon, on your hospital or ambulatory surgical center, and you have some idea of what to expect. So not a lot of people know this, but you can have your surgery in two different places. You can have it in the hospital where it's going to cost you more money, or you can have it at an ambulatory surgical center if you're a healthy individual. If you have comorbidities, your doctor's probably going to want to do it at the hospital. And if you're interviewing a surgeon, and I say interviewing because you're going to decide whether you're going to hire them or not, and they're in network in your health care insurance plan, you can ask them, I'd like to have this done at an ambulatory surgical center. And if they say, no, I don't do surgeries at an ambulatory surgical center, you can ask to be referred to somebody who does. That'll decrease your cost, especially if you've got a, a high premium, you know, deductible. So you're going to definitely want to look after your money. And that's, that's where the value add is right there. And oftentimes, like in my case, um, I'm outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. The ambulatory surgical center has better quality ratings than the local hospital does. So, you know, why would I not want to go there, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And not to mention the fact it's often even these elective surgeries that should be in and out the same day, uh, well, you know what, uh, we're going to go ahead and do observation for 24 hours or, or whatever because they can do that. They're set up for that. It, it, it's much more or much less likely, rather, if you go to an ambulatory surgery center. That's not going to happen. The only, the only way you end up in a hospital bed is if something went really wrong and they're going to stick you in an ambulance and take you over there. And uh, they don't usually do those surgeries unless something can go wrong. And so just right down the line, uh, you know, and frankly, I, I, feel, I would feel more comfortable in one of those centers than I would in a hospital. Hospitals are scary. I don't know if you know that, David. Yeah, they're very germy. Um, the, the one question that I get asked all the time is, you know, I want to do my research on on where I'm going to get my surgery and on my doctor and all of that, but I I can't maneuver around all these websites. So what I did is um, I put together a free healthcare resource guide for you guys. So if you go up to drdavidhelps.com and you sign up um, to get my periodic updates, I will send you that free healthcare resource guide, which is one click for accessing Mark Cuban's online pharmacy or GoodRx. There's also a price transparency tool in there that's put out by Turquoise, which will actually show you quality ratings and give you some options about searching for where to have your surgery, as well as reviews um, about your doctor and your surgeon, see what other patients are saying about them. So you can get that free, again, drdavidhelps.com, and that'll help you do your research. Yeah, yeah, and I strongly encourage people to do that. So you're, you mentioned, uh, and, and I don't want to go far in this, but this is actually a question we've gotten from the audience uh, regarding you, which is good RX versus Cubans uh, approach. You like both. You promote both. But in the balance, which one do you like the most and why? That's, that's a hard decision. So um, it, it depends on the pricing, right, because a drug is a drug. If you can get it cheaper on good RX or you can get a generic version of it on Mark Cuban's online pharmacy, I would say, you know, go for the price, right? The thing that I like about um, Mark Cuban's online pharmacy is that they're setting up a structure. They're starting to use pharmacy benefit managers, which you know 
I, I detest so, because they control the prices, take rebates and stuff, but they're getting a pure version of it, which was what the pharmacy benefit manager was meant to do initially when they started these programs instead of the way the insurance companies corrupted this. So he's starting to use them to drive even more rebates. So it's going to be interesting. But again, I go back to whatever price is less, that's what you want to use. Yeah, because it's the same stuff. Absolutely. Yep. And so bottom line, you want to compare. You, you should compare with both. And these are just two of the better, if not among the best, uh, in this space. What I, like about, what I like about Cuban is the raw ambition of it, if you know what I mean. Uh, I get the sense that he wants it to be really all-encompassing eventually. And uh, GoodRx has done a phenomenal job. The pricing is incredible, often cheaper than insurance. But it seems like it has a space that it sticks into to a certain extent and kind of focuses on that. But I, I could be misinterpreting it. I love both of them. They're just, just so needed. Yeah, it, and again, I go back to price. Now, GoodRx is traded publicly, right, whereas Mark Cuban's online pharmacy is basically a 15% markup on your medication. So you, can, you know what you're going to get at Mark Cuban's. Plus, they're starting to um, work with some insurance companies, which, are, which ought to be an interesting model to drive down costs. That's in its infancy right now, but, but that's the one I'm, I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, and very good point about the, uh, uh, not being public. I hate to say it, if it's publicly owned, its primary customer is uh, the stakeholders making sure it's getting good dividends back, making sure that the stock price is continually going up, and that is really measured by profits. And so uh, Mark Cuban came across as having altruism as a big part of it. Uh, he, you know, you heard his interviews. Um, and, of course, he's not dumb. He's making money, and he told you exactly how much, which I'm not sure if a publicly-owned company like GoodRx could have the kind of restraints that uh, Mark Cuban has done in order to accommodate his, their investors. Yeah, what I like about him is he says, I'm making a reasonable profit. I think reasonable is the key word. He's got to make something. He's got, you know, pharmacists. He's got people working for him. Um, but reasonable is something you don't hear in healthcare. Uh, a reasonable expense because, I mean, the entities vying for your healthcare dollars are, are pretty ruthless. They want to keep you uninformed. They want you to you know, be like sheep and follow down a path, and then you get the bill and you're like, holy, I can't pay this, you know? So, I mean, that's the healthcare game. We're starting to see some legislation, which is um, it's going to help with that only if it's enforced. Let me add that. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not the same game anymore, but, boy, the players and the big money, they don't want to give it up. They just don't want to give it up. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you talk about enforcement, they always, all, all of these bills they pass have enforcement. The vast majority, however, have the amount of money they can make profit-wise far greater than the cost of punishment. And, uh, you know, you've, you've noted they're finally making a change in some of that. But that's absolutely necessary. They, they consider the punishments and fines to be a small cost of doing business. You've got to change that. Yeah, because if you can... If you can absorb a fine or a punishment cost and still make money on top of it, why are you going to pay it, right? So if the business model fits you. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. So I got detoured a little bit. You've got some very important okay. points that, that you want to negotiate between the patient 
and the uh, doctor for your uh, ambulatory surgery. Why don't you give all of them first, and let's get into a little depth uh, of those five um, with the time we have left. Okay. So the first thing you want to ask your doc is, um, am I going to be the first case of the day? There's a couple reasons why you want to do that. One is you're going to not eat or drink until the time of the surgery. So waiting until 4 o'clock in the afternoon is a miserable experience. The second reason is the data shows that the, that the patient who is first case of the day does better um, because the surgeon is usually rested, right? The other thing you want to ask is, are you going to do my actual surgery? You would think that's a no-brainer, but in a teaching hospital, many times it's the resident or the intern that goes that does the surgery under the surgeon's supervision. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody practicing on me. I would prefer, if I'm paying a surgeon to do it, that he is or she is the one that does it. The other thing is ask the surgeon if they're going to be on call the night before. Because if they're on call, they're not going to be well-rested. Try to make sure you're on a surgery schedule where they're not on call the night before. Um, and ask how many times the surgeon has done the surgery. You know, if he says, this is my first time, I strongly suggest you find somebody else. Um, but, you know, and also ask him um, if he's ever had a fatality from the surgery. Don't be surprised at his answer if he says yes, because many times surgeons get called into life-threatening situations and they're trying to save somebody. Um, but if whatever details you can get about that will give you better information uh, as you make your decision about whether you're going to hire this guy or lady or not. Um, and then finally, ask your surgeon what the recovery period will be like. If you're sensitive to pain, make sure they know that um, on the onset. And then um, also ask him, because pain medications can be very constipating, you want to ask him if he's going to give you anything for constipation. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't get taught that when they leave the hospital. My wife's been called, and she's a nurse too, to several neighbors who are like, I, I went to surgery and now I, I can't move my bowels. And, you know, they just don't teach you that kind of stuff um, on the way out the door. Yeah, those are vital, and you, you did a phenomenal job of summarizing them. You know, I, I grew up in Michigan, which went back when I grew up in Michigan and the D Detroit area. It was called Motor City back then. So we always talked about cars. We knew about cars. And uh, we were always showed to ask the dealer what day of the week the car was, car was built because cars built on Wednesday are always better than cars built on Monday or Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your advice about time of day, that reminded me of that. Should they be shooting for a Tuesday through Thursday rather than a Monday or a Friday? Yeah, you know, um, it, I think it's time of day. I don't think it's day of the week. Um, you're definitely yeah. probably not going to get on, in on Thursday because that's golf day, right? So. <laughs> right. Oh, that's true. Touche. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> you know, these are so practical. You know, I, I'm at an age where I feel like I should know everything or I've heard everything when it comes to things like this, right? And I haven't heard some of this before. This is really, really important. And what I always love about your advice to our listeners, and this is feedback we've got from listeners as well that they like about you, is that you advocate for the patient in our interviews and you insert into them the uh, right they have to be assertive about themselves and their rights. That's right, because ultimately you're in charge of your health care. You hire a team to administer it, and you want to 
put together the best team that possible, especially if you're going to have surgery, right? Um, but you're the person who hires them. Now you have to go through your payer and make sure these guys are in network. Um, you know, that's one thing that I would strongly recommend you do. But there's all kinds of material out there that you can do research on physicians and hospitals and stuff. And like I said, drdavidhelps.com, I'll give it all to you for free because I, I want you guys to do your homework and make sure you're safe out there. Well, you, uh, you know, you, I won't say you were, you were a victim, but you, some, you know, you described your situation where you could really perceive yourself as a victim for what you went through with your daughter. And uh, really, uh, obviously, that had a profound, profound impact on what you ended up doing uh, later, right? You know, compared to what you were doing at the time early on when you were trying to help her. And, uh, you know, people like you become very passionate about helping others to be able to navigate uh, these type of things. And so we love having you on. We love having you tell that. Went over. I've never had you on where we didn't go over, but it's always worth it. David, uh, wrap it up with your final thoughts. Yeah, so if you guys want to take a deeper dive into this, I have a book out called How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. It's on Amazon. It's self-published. Um, the other thing I'm that I want to state is that that book, you can use it as a manual. So if you're going to have surgery, you go to the surgery chapter, right? If you're filling out advanced directives, you go to the advanced directive chapter. If you're having problems with an insurance company, you go to the insurance chapter. Um, I've, I get so much feedback about this book that it's really broken down the medical complexities into layperson's terms. And, um, you know, I've had people on Amazon give me reviews that say everybody should have this knowledge. Don't wait till it's too late when you have to access the healthcare. We're all going to need healthcare at some point in time, so I would strongly suggest you get yourself educated. If it's not by my book, um, find a different way to get educated. But make sure you know what's going on. Don't ever enter the healthcare system uh, with your eyes closed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really uh, very much like a reference book, and uh, you know, and. It, it, and frankly, more engaging than that, but it's very much like a reference book and very hands-on. It makes It's very empowering, and we've gotten that feedback uh, from others as well. And so uh, always love having you on. Always appreciate your insight and uh, your website. We didn't get that in there. Let's get that in there real quick. Okay, well, we talked about drdavidhelps.com for the free resource guide, but if you want to follow what Kevin and I have been doing together and others, um, you can go to drdavidwilcox.com. That's drdavidwilcox with one L dot com and go to the press room and you can hear all kinds of um, interviews, TV stuff, stuff that Kevin and I do together. Yep, there you go. David Wilcox, one, uh, one of my favorite segments. I always feel a little smarter whenever I chat with him. I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.